Today we're fortunate to have a few minutes with Dr. Albert Wu, uh, who is the Chief of Pediatric Plastic Surgery, but also the Director of a 3D Printing Laboratory at Brown University. Thanks, Albert, for agreeing to this interview today. Oh, of course. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, you know, I've been following your work for several years now, and I have to say, I wish, I wish I'm in your shoes and I wish I could do so much work in 3D printing. Uh, you're my idol, <laughs> in other words. Um, you're a plastic surgeon. Obviously, you just scrubbed out a surgery because I can see the, your... Yeah, uh, I still have some <laughs> of the marks on my face. Yeah, but at the same time, you've done a lot of 3D printing related work. And lately, you also have your startup as well. And so we want to basically introduce you to the audience for 3D Heals 2020, because you will be speaking at a cranial facial reconstruction panel. Um, but at the same time, also want to hear more about your startup. But, um, you know, one thing that really impresses me is that you're able to work with the healthcare organization find resources to achieve the innovations that you have done so far. Um, you want to share some of the early journey, how you got into 3D printing and then finding those early resources and built up upon it? Absolutely. It's, um, I think for any of us who have found ourselves in 3D printing, it's kind of a convoluted, um, uh, non-linear type, type of uh, journey. I, I'd say as a plastic surgeon, uh, uh, what I do is uh, I specialize in a field called craniofacial surgery. And basically with craniofacial surgery, um, I focus on the head and neck region. And so as a plastic surgeon, I do the cleft lip repairs, uh, cleft palate repairs and things like that. Um, besides that, I also operate on the skull and, and on the face. And so uh, when the, when you, get into a car accident or you get punched accidentally in your face and you break some of the bones. Um, I, as a plastic surgeon, am the person who tries to put everything back together. And so it makes perfect sense that plastic surgeons in particular um, are the individuals that are most um, focused on three-dimensional anatomy. And so uh, looking at things from a 2D perspective, say on an x-ray, is not really adequate for us to, to do what we need to do, because uh, even if we are looking at an x-ray, we need to think from the three-dimensional perspective. Um, I also happened, uh, just as a matter of circumstance, to have gotten my first position at Washington University in St. Louis, and I, I say that that was a fortuitous circumstance, because um, when I got my job. I didn't realize that Jeffrey Marsh was the, my predecessor before me. Um, and one of Dr. Marsh's uh, great uh, accomplishments during his career was to um, be one of the two individuals who were credited with developing three-dimensional imaging. So uh, back in the day, back in the um, late 70s, when we had CT scans, we had CT scans that basically cut your face into tiny little slices. Uh, yeah. But we didn't have a way of actually seeing that as a three-dimensional image. And it's really through the work of Jeffrey Marsh and, uh, and Michael Veneer, who was a radiologist, where they came up and basically hacked uh, the, one of the early CT scanners uh, to create three-dimensional imaging. So again, I'm a plastic surgeon interested in three-dimensional structures. Uh, I happen to be at a lab that's focused on three-dimensional imaging. So you can kind of connect the dots from there and yada, yada, yada. Next thing I know is 
uh, I'm sitting with a bioengineer and we decide, you know, it's kind of a cool idea, not only for us to focus on the imaging, but why not be able to print it for ourselves instead of uh, depending on industry where we're paying them thousands of dollars to, to print those for us. So uh, it happened uh, once again that I'm uh, randomly meet up with a bioengineer. We decide after some positive discussions to put in for a grant. Uh, and we were lucky to get an $80,000 grant where we're able to purchase our first 3D printer, uh, kind of a professional grade printer. And from mm -hmm. there on, it kind of exploded um, where now, you know, now we've got kind of a, a much higher level printer, but we're able to not just print in um, in a single color, but also multiple colors, and then using that information to three-dimensionally three image and then print uh, multiple anatomic structures in multiple colors um, uh, and, and in significantly larger sizes. So we can print out an entire human spine, for instance, uh, when one of the spine surgeons is interested in some of their complex anatomies. Um, mm -hmm. So that's kind of my career in a nutshell, at least, at least in 3D printing. So you mentioned that you wrote a grant. Was this do, uh, during WashU time or this is at Brown? Yes, so, so um, it was originally at WashU. Um, uh, again, it was sometime around 2015 or so. Uh, where we uh, kind of got this idea, we got the grant uh, uh, around that time, uh, and then uh, we started doing uh, a good degree of 3D printing in 2015, 2016. Uh, so it's almost kind of embarrassing talking to people who are experts in 3D printing because I haven't really been doing it for that long. So I've been focused on craniofacial imaging for over a decade, but in terms of actually printing uh, um, uh, the the objects and the, and the designs that we've been looking at, it's actually only been four or five years. So the current 3D printing laboratory at Brown, is this based on that particular grant or you guys got more resources from the university? Well, as um, so, so I was on faculty at WashU um, and because so much of the work um, that uh, I did was came to fruition there, um, when Brown University and, and Brunel Hospital had contacted me to see if I'd be interested in, um, in potentially taking a position here. Um, I basically told, told them that um, uh, it would be imperative for me to have similar resources and access to 3D printers. Um, so, so as part of my negotiation process, you could say uh, the, the printer was purchased for me. That's awesome. Um, well, I have so many um, questions to ask you because I know that you are not only just working on craniofacial cases, you also have like, a, you know, specialty, you cover specialties outside of your specialty. You want to share some of the most impressive applications that you have done so far with the lab? Oh, absolutely. So, um, uh, you know, my perspective is, and when I came to the university, I told them, look, I'm not here to... Um, purchase a 3D printer and hog it for myself. You know, the whole idea is to um, uh, be an evangelical, so to speak, and evangelize the benefits of 3D printing. And it's actually really kind of interesting that, you know, whereas most of the people in, in your audience um, are so used to the concept of 3D printing, uh, those of us in medicine, like we, we really have no experience with it. And, um, yeah, and one example to that is that, you know, I'm sitting here during the COVID epidemic and, all of a sudden I get a bunch of random uh, emails from 
people at the top of um, the hospital um, administration, and they're asking me if I can uh, print, you know, gowns for people, if I can print uh, um, soft uh, materials, if I can print masks, and all sorts of uh, all sorts of things. Some of which are, are potentially doable, and others that um, of which are, you know, totally impossible. And that really, again, speaks to the fact that despite the despite um, uh, having very intelligent kind of national leaders at the head of our hospital administration, um, they really don't know what 3D printing offers. Everybody kind of thinks yeah. it's a magic dust that, that you can apply. Um, so, so, uh, so again, my position here has, and one of my goals has been to really let other doctors know and, and use their imagination to kind of expand their horizons. Um, so in answer to your question, you know, what have we done? Like some of the, one of the earliest things was uh, when I sat down with the chief of pediatric surgery and uh, Ronald Hospital and Hasbro Children's Hospital in particular has um, uh, one of the top uh, um, fetal surgery centers in the country. And so uh, we had a, a um, uh, family that was uh, interested in having fetal surgery for their spina bifida. And mm -hmm. Uh, the surgeons wanted to know what the fetus looked like. And so what we were able to do is um, get an MRI and then combine that potentially with 3D uh, CT scans to create an image of what that 17-week-old fetus uh, looked mm -hmm. like. But besides that, we were also able to get um, an even better quality image on a full, um, fully developed baby and then use that as a teaching model uh, where mm -hmm. we can show not just patients, but also other doctors what the deformity is and give them a much better idea of, of um, uh, how to plan their surgeries. Yeah, I just want to emphasize that this is a very complex surgery because a fetus is not born baby, basically. So we're yes. talking about this is a small, small fetus within a woman's womb. So I just wanted yeah. to Make that clarify to the audience we're not really in the medical field how complex and high risk this procedure is. Absolutely. You're, you're absolutely cor correct in that what I'm talking about is taking a mom who just found out that she has a baby uh, with a spina bifida deformity uh, when she's 20, 25 weeks um, and uh, and then putting her under anesthesia and then opening up um, uh, the uterus and making a tiny little hole and then finding uh, the little the spot on the on the back where the spinal cord is exposed uh, and yeah. these kids typically don't walk or have a lot of difficulty with walking and have difficulty with bowel and bladder problems um, and so our fetal surgeons basically work through a tiny little hole and then find find that spot and then fix it and then basically close up the womb afterwards uh, and then wait another 20 weeks for the baby to be born. And, and thankfully that child did extremely well um, and was one of our kind of great successes. And, and you know, besides just fetal surgery, we're, we happen to have one of the uh, top uh, tumor surgeons for spine surgery uh, and more and more they're, they're um, utilizing our 3D technology because uh, when somebody gets, you know, comes over from a different part of the world, uh, for from Greece, for instance, and has this inoperable tumor that nobody else can take out. You know, our surgeons really want to know uh, what the complex anatomy is, uh, so that they can work around it. And, and we've been able to provide a lot of those surf 
practices uh, that, have, that have been really kind of game-changing uh, yeah. from, from the perspective of, of medicine. Yeah, I mean, creativity is take time. You know, we didn't really switch from uh, hunter and gatherers to cultivating aquacultures overnight. You know, it takes time for people to get used to it. Once they have a tool and once we have effective communication, like from you, Albert, and perhaps us, Sweetie Hills, then more and more people will be introduced to these tools and we can see these creativities kind of blooming, which is very exciting. Now, speaking of which, uh, you have a new startup. Yes, um, absolutely. Yeah, what, what is that about? And uh, tell us a little bit about your new startup. What's the name of the startup again? Yeah, so, so our startup is called Implant 3D. Um, and uh, the reason I was interested um, uh, in potentially looking at a startup is, is because, uh, again, partly through the experience with 3D printing, but also um, with a lot of my experience with um, uh, facial fractures, uh, like we talked about before. Uh, mm-hmm. when, I'm, when you have a break in your cheekbone, for instance, you know, we're putting tiny little metal uh, plates and screws in the face in order to put everything back together. Um, it has never made a lot of sense to me um, why we have these kind of old style, um, ancient uh, metallic screws and plates that we're using to kind of screw everything back together. Uh, We now have the technology uh, to be able to custom print uh, Mm -hmm. uh, plates, screws, um, and, uh, you know, even half your skull, if you're missing half your skull, uh, by and large, uh, a customized implant is, um, is 3D printed or, or otherwise um, manufactured as a custom device. Uh, the difficulty f- from my perspective is that, you know, if we go to industry, uh, industry usually takes weeks in order to, to create those devices for us. Um, and kind of, you know, like anybody who thinks about the future, who watches, you know, any sort of space uh, or futuristic uh, type of TV show, including Lost in Space, you know, you, you sit there and you think, if I can 3D print, you know, any sort of object, uh, you can 3D print, a, uh, you know, um, a screw uh, for home or any sort of device. Now you have people working in space where they can 3D print uh, medical devices in space because you can't carry 10,000 pounds of, of medical and surgical equipment. Um, it makes complete sense to me that we should be able to 3D print our own plates, screws, and customized devices. Mm-hmm. And um, technology in the past required that we needed you know, 20,000 pounds of machinery and a 10,000 square foot factory to do that. I think nowadays we have the technology and the ability to be able to do that in a small office space. Um, and so um, the concept of Implant 3D is that we are basically bringing uh, 3D printing and manufacturing capabilities into the hospital um, mm-hmm. uh, at the end user level where, where doctors like myself can actually print it in our own building uh, rather than having to um, uh, ship it to a different, uh, different company, waiting weeks for that to be manufactured and then subsequently de- delivered to us. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that speeds up uh, the process. It gives the user like myself uh, immediate control over, um, over the final product um, and also allows me to um, uh, have um, much more direct input in, into, the, into the manufactured device. So 
I think yeah. that's going to be highly, uh, it's the wave of the future. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I like to think that, that uh, I'd, I'd love to be a part of that. So, so that's part yeah. of the reason for our company. That sounds really exciting. Um, and, you know, one of the biggest topics these, uh, these days, uh, the last couple of years, is point of care 3D printing. Yes. Um, yeah, and it is interesting, you know, talking to you, you know, we're both in healthcare space. Like you said, a lot of doctors don't even know what exactly 3D printing can, cannot do. Yes. I mean, very similarly, actually, in the industry, they're trying to figure out how to meet the needs because they're not in a healthcare space. They don't know what we really need and what really works for us. And I think we're trying to create opportunities for conversations to flow both ways. And among those are a bunch of other people like engineers and designers, all that, you know, your team, basically. Yeah, I agree. I, I think uh, both you and I are kind of um, a rare breed of individual because um, uh, it, it's funny how so much of medicine and engineering and manufacturing are, all of us are in our tiny little silos. Um, and, and so I, I'd say kudos to you and other people. Um, uh, um, your organization, 3D Heals, has been such a critical um, uh, developer of the communication pathways where you can get uh, physicians and uh, people in manufacturing uh, and people in engineering together to kind of solve these problems. So. So it's very common for me to talk to talk to um, engineers, and it's it's very funny how um, you have these people who have the capability of solving a problem but don't have the problem, and then you have physicians like myself yeah. who have a problem but don't have access to engineers who can help solve it, solve it for us. So, yeah. Um, so yes, again, kudos to 3D Heals. It's it's been oh, really. I, I am super just honored to be where I am, to be able to have these direct conversations with you and with people who are in the industry who are really passionate about making healthcare better. Um, so I'm very much looking forward to your presentation uh, in June for 3D Heals 2020. And also you're gonna be part of the pitch. So we're gonna look forward to hear more about your startup uh, and more exciting conversations ahead. So thank you, Albert. Thank you, appreciate it.